one of my clients named Josh Rosen came up to me and he said, Russ, dude, thank you for those business cards, man. Those were really great. They're going to be really good for a trade show. And I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm Mike Burbridge, Senior Director of Marketing Futures and the host of today's episode. At this point, I don't think I need to tell you that COVID-19 has upended the way the world does just about everything, including work. But the fact remains that millions of us are finding ourselves working remotely every day for the first times in our career, and just about every brand is scrambling to establish a new normal for their workforce. But what if your entire workforce was remote to begin with? Today, we're talking to Russ Perry, the founder of Design Pickle, about what it's like to manage a staff of more than 400, of which only a small handful live and work in the company's headquarters city of Scottsdale, Arizona. Russ discussed what the first few weeks of the COVID-19 crisis were like for Design Pickle and shared advice for leaders looking to maintain creativity and camaraderie from afar. All the way from Arizona, I uh, have Russ Perry in the virtual studio today. Thank you so much for being on the Marketing Features podcast, Russ. Absolutely. Really excited to be here and uh, excited to be talking to someone else. Yes. <laughs> Human contact has been a major benefit of having a podcast during a quarantine. Yes. Um, so let's start just by kind of... Uh, you know, hipping the audience to who you are and what you do? Well, I always joke that I am a recovering creative agency owner. Uh, <laughs> I had, uh, Early on my career, I just start, started a branding and design agency here in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and um, did that for almost 10 years. And, um, you know, was young, thought I knew everything, probably like most agency owners do at the, their, their times. And Ultimately, I found myself really at odds with the industry that I was in and um, my desires for my life, my personal life, my balance in my family life. You know, I had uh, a family throughout all of this. And, and sadly, that career ended with a, a whimper. Um, closed my agency in 2014 after... I called the massacre summer where I had a hundred uh, or, or over a million dollars of booked revenue that was evaporated through random decisions. You know, clients who didn't want to work together anymore, uh, a change, a new SVP of marketing coming in and bringing their team and not wanting to work with us. And I was just like, this is insane. I don't want to be in this space anymore. And so at the uh, age of 30 and not really having much of a choice to do anything other than what I've been doing, I started doing marketing and design consulting for small businesses. And that ended up um, producing by, by the need of me needing to create on a weekly basis for clients, but often being preoccupied with my consulting, I might be in a client's office for two days straight and I couldn't get to the other clients. I created this system um, off with off-the-shelf tools that, and a couple freelancers that would allow my other clients to request design creative, and it would be designed and prepped and ready to review, all without my involvement. It was like a vending machine almost, where you just request and it comes. And 
and I and I and I remember the day that the aha moment started. There were several aha moments, but here was the one that I'm sure a lot of your listeners can appreciate. It was the day one of my clients named Josh Rosen came up to me and he said, Russ, dude, thank you for those business cards, man. Those were really great. They're gonna be really good for a trade show. And I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> it had gone full awesome. circle. And so there was two, there's two parts of that story that was amazing. A, that it, the design job got done without me knowing. And B, someone said, thank you. Well, the, yeah, like, that, that was, was like a home part. run. Yeah, like I was like, this is amazing. So I had SaaS models, subscription models on the mind. And I just decided to go all in saying, could I sell creative design services with a software subscription model? That was in 2015. We launched in January. And today we are the largest player in the in the whole world that sells creativity like we do and that is just incredible um you're on uh inks uh top 500 quickest uh growing companies correct right yeah we made the ink 500 list last year um we were on there like 300 and something the fastest growing um graphic design company uh, out there so that was a huge victory for us i think we'll make it again this year too that's just awesome. Um, and I think that part of uh, your ability to grow so rapidly um, has to be the the model of Design Pickle itself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're based in Arizona. There's like a tiny HQ, but almost your, compl- your entire workforce works remotely. Um, right. So if you could just kind of, I know you were... Um, kind of on the the precipice of that we had gotten to the aha moment how did a yeah. business card turn into a global network of designers so the first thing that had to happen was i had to swallow my pride and decide a career path that was either going to be trying to do what i did before which was glamorous big branding campaigns i mean i had design work in lowe's uh we worked for lg salesforce all these amazing brands, Ikea, like my logo deck was awesome when it came to who we worked (laughs) with, but it was a grind and we weren't making money half the time. Mm. Then my pride was like, do I want to try to do that again? Or should I just do the boring stuff? You know, the stuff that kind of has to get done that no one necessarily gets excited about, like 25 Facebook ad resizes or, you know, uh, or 30 new business cards or new branding collateral because the logo changed by this one font and we have to redesign (laughs) everything like that. And so I decided to go for the boring and that wasn't easy. I got to be honest, like Mm -hmm. the sexy stuff is fun. The stuff, the sexy stuff wins awards. You don't win an award for creating 25 business cards in a few days. You just get a thank you, maybe, if that's the best. <laughs> right, um, right. So that was the first thing. And then the next thing from there was, how do I scale this and make sure that this is um, a, a term that I've heard is anti-fragile or insular? Mm. Like, I didn't want to be on the hook if one designer was sick or if we lost one client. Because when I had my agency, we only had 10 clients at most. So if one left, it was a major issue. So I always thought, how do I build a a business model and a service model that can scale, but it can also be protected? Mm -hmm. And this was, again, five plus years ago. So for me, having a distributed workforce, having distributed teams, having everything online, 
always being able to be a virtual company, even though, yes, I've had an office. Yes, we have a place you can come to, but that's a, that's a luxury. It's not a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started there. And, you know, also I really, really personally love travel and I wanted to be able to work from a keyboard as long as I had an internet connection anywhere. So there was a, a definitely some dashes of, of selfishness inside of all of that. And here's what I ended up studying is that the people who have the real lives that we all admire usually do really boring things really, really well. I think now a company like Design Pickle um, is showing what, you know, forward thinking, what's really necessary to have a business. My goodness, now now everybody is asking that question. Right. And it doesn't come without its challenges. I mean, we've, we've struggled in a lot of ways with management. I mean, people hiring, you have to hire totally different because there isn't an oversight. And you might have someone who thrives and is an A player in a more traditional environment. But if they're put into the design pickle environment or a remote environment in general, they just don't have the discipline to be that same A player. So it's been hard over the years with hiring, with management, with building teams. Some people we thought were just going to be crushers and just do fen- phenomenal on our leadership teams or management teams based on their, credib- their, their pedigree and their background have actually, it's been a, a terrible hire. And, and, the vi- and the opposite's true. People who we would never think would do amazing have risen up the ranks so fast just because they're, they get it. They understand yeah. how to manage this. So that's, that's, that's been a, a, a learning process for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, yeah, with this new kind of model, everything has to change from the root. Uh, so that's really cool. But that's cool to, see, to get to see that play out, um, you know, kind of in real time. Um, so speaking of uh, the design pickle workforce, what does <laughs> a typical day look like, not only for a design pickle employee, but for a design pickle client? Like, what does that look like? on your day-to-day? So the design pickle employee, I mean, we have over 500 people on our team. It really depends, but I could say, I could, I could summarize that pretty easily. Our core hub of our company is Slack. So we use Slack as mm. the water cooler. We use Slack as our information channels. All of our software and apps feed into Slack so we can get any data we need in that tool. So first things first, when you get to work, whether it's 8 a.m. Pacific time or 8 a.m. Australian time, you get you get on Slack. And that's where a lot of our culture is built. We have social channels. We have um, weekly surveys. We do Every Friday, it's music video of the, of the week, and it's a different topic our HR team will present. And last week was powerful female duets. And you had to find, mm. uh, find a powerful female duet is the music video. We've had all sorts of things. But then, but then the, the rest of the day really depends on whether you're on the design production side, you're a designer, or you're on the what we call the HQ team, which is the leadership, marketing, sales, and all of that. Um, the design side, you log into our custom app that all of our clients also use. You have the designers have a own portal, and they, they get to work. Every day, there's a, a design jobs that they get assigned, and um, it's very straightforward. It's a... It's, it's, a, it's a very systemized process. And on the HQ side, it's going to be, you know, Monday, Tuesdays are meeting hell. 
Uh, it's a lot of a lot of team meetings, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are create and do and build. Mm-hmm. So we try to we try to keep at least uh, you know sixty percent of the week uh, available for for work, <laughs> where right. the other forty percent is for management, for meeting, for connecting. Um, now the clients, it's it's a very simple experience for them. A typical day of a design pickle client is. You log into our app and you make a request. Um, if you're on our premium plan, you could log into Slack also and chat with your designer about what's going on that day. So we have real-time communication with your designer. And then you can um, manage your request queue, review files, share files. It's all in one package. So you're not having to sort through your emails, sift through other emails to find the one link that you need to review or anything like that. It's very consolidated. It's very tight. And, um, and then the request process is just kind of whatever you need. We have um, AI powered request form that you type in Facebook ads, it'll automatically pull in the most recent specs for Facebook ads. So you never have to worry about any of that friction. And, um, you know, we, our first core value of our company is friendly. So that's the main thing you're going to see throughout whether you work here or you're a client, or you talk to me, it's friendly. And we, we, we pride ourselves in that because we know how stressful creation can be sometimes. And we want to make sure that we're not adding to that stress. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I love it. And from the only, uh, the, the only two touch points I've had with Design Pickle, I'm, I'm nothing but friendly. You and Jess have been <laughs> great. So um, way, to, way to bring that brand home. <laughs> That's good. Good. Thank you. <laughs> so I think you kind of started to touch on it, um, but I'd love to just let you kind of riff on this. I um, had an incredible opportunity uh, a week or or so ago to present to a group of uh, college students who were part of uh, the ANA Educational Foundation's MADE intern program. So we were talking about um, the future of work as just kind of a general concept and and how much of a, a spotlight is on it at the moment. And uh, one of the students asked a question that's better than anything I could have put together. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and uh, quote them. Um, so the student commented that she spoke with a brand ma- manager recently who said something to the effect of creativity happens when you're running into somebody in, t- in the pantry or overhear people talking about a project during lunch or you get pulled in at the last second to you know, have this, this 15 minute meeting. How do you recreate that, you know, element of randomness, that element of unpredictability to the creative process? Um, or is it not to recreate that one-to-one? Is there something else that can stand in for that? I, so I want to disagree with this person. Everything you listed sounds like interruptions to me, <laughs> which would actually ruin the creative process. So I am a firm believer that true creativity happens when you're able to be focused and not distracted. So I think in a lot of environments, it's actually the complete opposite where you can't even get into a flow. You don't have two uninterrupted hours to sketch and brainstorm and involve other people in a focused way around it. 
Now, what I think they're getting to, and I don't want to throw this student under the bus or who they quoted, is it's they're talking about those serendipitous moments where, you know, you might hear about a project that you've also been working on and you didn't know that you were working on it and you can collaborate. So I think those moments in when we lack the opportunity of random encounters, they have to be engineered in such a way where you can um, foster that as well as, as well as you can. Something I do every Monday afternoon is I have office hours. So mm -hmm. from three to 9 p.m. every Monday, I have six hours dedicated so people can jump on a Zoom and talk and just whatever. And it could get two people, we can brainstorm. So I try, and there's no agenda. There's, no, there's nothing planned around what this is. So today, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see two things happen. The focused work is going to go up once people aren't so stressed out and they kind of see like, okay, this is, I kind of can get a lot done and I'm, it's like 3 PM and I've checked all my email and I've done all of this stuff. Like, oh my gosh, I can, I can finally do that writing or whatever. But then mm -hmm. leaders are going to have to figure out a way to create unique tech enabled ways for people to, to still be connected without specific agendas so that serendipitous type work can still occur. Yeah. Um, and I felt that. And I just even like uh, hearing you kind of roll out like what your Slack channel looks like. Um, I've always found that creativity and innovation needs a sturdy foundation. Like you can't backflip mm, on, yeah. you know, a, a log on the over a river or something like that. So yeah, I, uh, hearing that, like, that it's, it's this balance of structured white space almost, you know, uh, uh, just the, yeah. like a disciplined r return to the chance to breathe. Uh, it's just, it's a very interesting, and I think it's something that um, everyone is going to really have to take a long, hard look at because there, there really isn't going to be a return to normal, I mean, obviously physically not for a very long time, but I think just like you said, when the stress dies down and people realize what an uninterrupted two hours can bring, not only to their enjoyment of their work, but to the productivity of a company, um, these are things that, that need to be talked about and thought about now. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And I've been feeling almost guilt with my productivity because I come and I work and we were talking before, my office is five minutes from my home. I have three daughters uh, and, and also a wife. So my house is like the opposite of creative, of a place to be focused creatively. So I'll come here to my empty office, but I will literally write down my whole agenda for the day. And aside from scheduled meetings, be able to complete most of it before lunchtime. And there's this pressure that I'm not doing enough which I'm learning that, that there's something need that I'm rewiring right now that I'm figuring out that, that is like, like, cause if that, if I got that done in a, in a normal day, I would feel really accomplished. Now I'm doing more with less time and it's not computing. And I, and I don't have an answer right now for the audience and what it is, but I, I know talking to peers and colleagues, a lot of people are, there's almost like this weird anxiety that, do, should I do more? What do I do with this empty space? What do I do yeah. with this white space? And you're getting, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're getting eight hours of old world work in, in three and 
instead of being like, that's awesome. That, 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 yeah. that, that opens up a hell of a lot of opportunities. There, there it is. It's like, did I, did I not? Yeah. You missed the five pickup meetings where you all agreed to have a pickup <laughs> meeting next week. That's what you missed. So, um, beyond setting up that kind of environment where, um, you know, there are prompts to be, to interact with your coworkers. There were, you know, virtual group uh, settings. What else does Design Pickle do to instill camaraderie in a team where, you know, may never be in the same room with them? Yeah. Well, thankfully for the first, for, for really up until this year, we have actually made an effort to budget for and plan in-person events. Some, when we were smaller, were the whole company. Uh, we had one in the Philippines that was amazing. Others are more regional. So we went to Mexico last year, as well as the Philippines. Uh, I had plans, big plans to visit all the markets this year, which have been put on pause, but those will come back. I'm very bullish that the beauty of a virtual company is that you still can get together and meet people in person from time to time. And so we have always invested in these events and a lot of these events are personal development events we don't actually get together for three days and just talk about business we talk about ourselves our lives we have a, a, a world like like the most incredible talent show you've ever seen in your life we've <laughs> held with i mean put creatives together on a talent show there were there's been fireworks there's been animation there's been all sorts of stuff and so there's a balance, and I and I I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. And it it and it and it's and it's kind of like I haven't been to one in a while, but any reunion of sorts, whether it's a family reunion, or a reunion of your old friends. Uh, I've never been to a high school reunion. I don't plan on going to one, but you know, <laughs> just a group that gets back together that had been together for a while, and it re-energizes everybody, and they really feel connected. So that that I think is essential for that camaraderie and that connection. And, um, and so, you know, the, our hands are tied right now, but we are, we are doing internal virtual events. We have two virtual summits in June. They're smaller in nature. They're like, instead of one full eight hour day, they're two or three, two hour days. So we're learning how to adapt and to build that. Um, Design Pickle loves contests. So we have tons of internal contests. <laughs> we publish an internal newsletter for our whole company that is published quarterly around hires and celebrations. And so there's just all of this. It's almost like like a student government we have internally that just runs and does these things. But if we didn't have that, you know, our core values, our mission, our vision, which guide us so strongly, it would be very hard to really have people feel and buy those in because um, that the belief in those statements don't come from your day-to-day -day job. They come from what's going on around the edges. Mm. Yeah, I can just kind of feel through like memories of reunions of my own, how that must be such a refreshing thing for the company. Um, and to like subconsciously just connect being in the same room with these people as just excitement and fun and getting to, you know, express yourself creatively mm -hmm. uh that's really cool that's um i'm getting vicariously excited for the next design pickle talent <laughs> show um so 
now that we've we've talked around uh, the elephant in the room uh, for a, a long enough time, what was what was Design Pickles' um, experience when we realized that this that COVID nineteen was not going to go away? That this was something major. Obviously, the remote work part was kind of baked in. So, what was what was your uh, experience? during that, like during like the first half of March? Um... So I had two feelings, hell yeah and oh shit. And here are the two feelings, the reasons, is the hell yeah was we are always been a, a, a choice when pennies get pinched. And mm-hmm. things, you know, like our pricing model is such with the efficiencies of our software, our international team, Currently, it's either $400 or $1,000 a month to work with a part-time graphic designer. Really crazy competitive in terms of our pricing. So I knew when a downturn happened, like when I started the business, we would be in a great position for the people who still need to keep rolling, but now they ha- like they need to look for a, a lower cost alternative. The, uh, the oh crap version of this reaction was, we have a lot of small, small businesses that use our service by the very nature of what I just shared. We're lower costs. They can afford us. They, they can't afford a full-time person. And so using the 80-20 principle, I said, guys, we're going to lose 20% of our, our small guys' clients. And I kid you not, last month, our, our, our uh, reports for March came in, or, or April, I mean, and we were down 19% of what our projections were. So it was like almost to the T. Yeah. Now on a weird flip side, we had our largest month of signups ever in April. So it's like this, it's like we're trying to figure it out. But um, I, do, I do think that this is, this is something that, you know, we're really fortunate to be a, a diversified company. My, my sister, she owns a bar and restaurant in Arizona and she's totally closed and it's hard. Um, but I think I'm an optimist and I know that, that ingenuity and innovation is going to pursue. And our vision is to simply share more of what we're doing, being on a podcast like this, you know, helping other leaders to get through the, uh, fear and start operating on facts and pushing forward with it. Mm. Uh, are we out of the woods? I don't think so. Uh, but I do know that, we want to, you know, we're, we're very stable with where we're at because of those decisions that I was sharing with you earlier in our conversation. So um, this is, I guess, this is a good time to kind of for those, those uh, listeners out there who may be either running companies or part of companies that were caught unawares. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe they've got some platforms set up, but it wasn't scaled, um, you know, w- regardless of what the views of working from home or working remotely were before, uh, perhaps it just wasn't as part of the company culture. Um, I know ev- people are probably now, you know, waist deep in this transition, but do you have advice for, um, folks that are right now for the first time trying to develop a a virtual culture, a virtual organization, a virtual workflow. Right. I do. And it's primarily targeting leaders inside of those organizations. 
you have to command the conversations. You have to own the conversations. Mm. And early in this whole debacle, I created a couple essays. I don't write blogs much publicly. I'm trying to do more writing. But I published a few internal essays that were very strongly worded about what I, be I believe we should be thinking about, should be talking about, and should be focused on. Because I knew if I didn't step into the offensive with that kind of communication, the news cycle, social media, everything, it, we're going to fill the gap for me. Yep. And my teams and my leaders were going to show up with a lot of other thoughts in their minds. Now, that's going to happen regardless. But inside of the bubble that we all control in our own businesses, that's the thing that I say has to continually happen. How I've done that proactively, I mentioned the office hours creating a space, an un, unstructured space for anyone to come into at any level of the company to have a conversation with me anytime, every Monday, 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Also, every Friday, every leader does a three-minute or less Loom video. Uh, Loom is a great app we've been using a ton of. You can record videos on the fly and play them back at multiple speeds, which is nice for the slow That's talkers cool. on your team. Um, <laughs> but that is like requirement. So every Friday, me and the seven leaders on our leadership team submit these end of week recaps. So that over communication and that connection has to be 10x of whatever it is you were doing before. And don't be thinking that you're annoying or bothering folks because it's, it's you're fighting this other conversation that's going on the yeah. second they leave your environment. And that other conversation is not at all going to help your business right now. Yeah. And I think it's, well, it's funny you, you said that because for the longest time, uh, marketers in particular have been having to learn the lesson that externally outside of your brand, you don't earn the, you don't own the conversation if you're yeah. not contributing to it, but it's absolutely the same on the inside. Um, exactly. Yeah. Silence gets the noise it needs. Um, we ask the same three questions. Um, but before that, uh, how can people get in touch with you? I doubt that the office hours are open to everybody on earth. So how, uh, <laughs> how can people check out Design Pickle and uh, what you guys are up to? So two, two places to go is absolutely go to our site, designpickle.com. We publish tons of content, tons of research, social media. We're on top of everything for marketers, ideas, inspiration, a good laugh, I mean, our brand is a smiling pickle. So you really, that just says a lot right there. That really does answer uh, a lot of questions. Right so, so um, but we really are, uh, we're, and, 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 re and right as we speak, we're relaunching our newsletter to be a weekly newsletter. I know everyone is getting so many pieces of content, but here's my pitch for it. It's called the Creator's Digest. And mm -hmm. every week, it's just going to help you be creative and think of what could you be creating to move your marketing, your brand forward every week, short, quick, actionable. So if you go to our site, you can opt in anywhere on the site and you'll get added to that list. Um, and then for me personally, I'm going to be starting to do a lot more thought leadership on my personal site, rustperry.co. Uh, the new site goes live this weekend. I'm really excited about it. So it's going to be more the inside uh, director's commentary of what's going on at Design Pickle.
the I'm stuff the cool. marketing team doesn't want me to write about. Yeah. That's what's that's what's that's what's going to be going on. Uh, Rustperry.co. <laughs> I love that. I love that you are the antagonist for your own co. Yeah. <laughs> oh, phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, all right. So, Russ, this uh, we we leave this question open because we kind of want everybody to give their own take and perspective on it. Um, what are your thoughts on diversity and inclusion? So I love, I love this question and I've been asked it really recently for the very first time. I was on another podcast interview and uh, uh, the interviewer asked, said, Russ, I noticed you have a lot of people of color on your team. Clearly is inclusion and diversity is important for you. And I didn't even think anything of it. I was just like, well, that's just, they were, just we hire, I don't know. And it was something that I, and I, and I realized it is important. And it wasn't until recently, I kind of, I kind of had the aha of why. It's that we're, we're a company that is about creativity and ideas and, and, and every business is about problem solving to some degree. If you don't have diversity inside of that, you are literally trying to solve problems with the same viewpoints and the same perspectives and the same data that, that, that is out there. And for me, I want to tap into someone who has an entirely different set of experiences, culture, viewpoints to help solve the problems that we're solving. It gives me a competitive advantage when I have that inside of my company. Um, I, I am now very conscious of it, but it literally wasn't until the last 90 days that it even got on my radar. And I figured out why I love that because we have a crazy diverse team. I mean, crazy diverse. And I just thought that was, that's just how it was. But now I'm like, Shh, this is our secret weapon. Yeah. We are going to, we are going to crush. But I, I think that's, and, and another great example, I read that in this book called The Messy Middle by um, Scott Belsky. He mm-hmm. said, think of someone who grew up in another country and speaks a different language. Just use that example. All the TV they watched, all the cultural references, the music they listened to. And if they live here and have been consuming all the American stuff, they have double they have double the amount to pull through, to pull mm-hmm. from. And so I was like, I'm a, a math and science guy. And I was just like, that is so smart. I totally see that. And, and that's, that's just a practical thing too. Absolutely. Well, yeah, creativity is just, imagination is just connections. Creativity is just connecting things in yeah. new ways. And it's like an entire, like, I don't want my, to, my, my analogy is like, it's like a new set of Legos. Uh, but I don't think <laughs> that that's, but like really, yeah, a new set of experiences that, you know, you just didn't know could be connected with anything that you've already had. Yeah. I like the make Lego analogy. You're you're playing with the everyday red, white, and blue Legos all day long, and your friend brings over the medieval set of Legos, and you're just like, I didn't even know these Legos existed. This is amazing. Let's do it. We, we just exactly. watched Lego Movie Two in my family recently, so that's actually on my mind. Perfect. Legos. I, guess, <laughs> I must have picked up on that. Some yeah, yeah. some, some vibrations. Um, all right, Ross. We've been relatively kind so far here on the ANA Marketing Features podcast, but it's time to get serious. <laughs> What's your favorite yes. album of all time and why? All right. So may not even know who this is. Andrew WK, his album, I Get Wet from 2001. 
which was right after I graduated high school. I'm living on my own, going mm-hmm. to college. And this album, for those of you who don't know, he's like a metal rock performer, orchestra, band. It's like the mashup of, of all this stuff. And this album was like my soul being liberated. Now, it's so, the lyrics are usually about partying and Absolutely. getting crazy. And I've, follow, I've followed this guy since. And it, I just, every album he puts out, I absolutely love. So, and it's the best live performances I have ever seen, ever. That is not surprising. I am familiar. Uh, and it's funny because when that first came out, I was like, ah, party all the time. I like to party. Okay, <laughs> fine. And my friend who was like the musical one who was like, got me into like Dylan and like, you know, get, just got me like, you know, as like a young kid, like he was like, okay, you're, you're 12. So now it's time to start getting into the, the thing. He was like, yo, did you hear this new guy? He is brilliant. And he sat me down and he made me listen to that album. And immediately I had a, a newfound uh, appreciation yeah and he's Mr. classically Devin trained he's he knows yeah. piano he knows he can play every instrument and um just it's incredible like yeah i'm glad you know who he is because <laughs> yes. i thought the same thing it's you're not sure if he's a joke or not and it was, they, I, it, yeah <laughs> i just yeah i did i had no idea how to process him and my friend had to literally like take me through the steps and it's just it's yeah <laughs> amazing um, so what song or what artist are you listening to now and why? So, um, quick one minute backstory before I give you my answer. Same time, like 2001, 2002 was like my musical liberation. I moved from Tucson, Arizona to Tempe, Arizona. I, I could listen. I, it was, it was the days of Napster and mm-hmm. I could download all this illegal music on high speed internet. Like it was just amazing. And I'd never really gotten into hip hop ever. I'd, I would always listen to alternative rock. So my college roommates were from, uh, one was from Atlanta, one was from Michigan. They loved hip hop. And I discovered Outkast at this time. Um, so Outkast, legendary hip hop group, Big Boy, uh, who has had since has had a protege. So a guy who he rapped with and studied called... Um, Killer Mike, sorry. Yep. sorry Killer I, was, Mike. I was just about to hop in. <laughs> so Killer Mike and Run the Jewels' his new release, Ooh yeah. La La, came out. Their, their, their fourth studio album, hopefully being released soon. So I'm listening to their new single. And uh, so that's like the hip hop version of Andrew WK. <laughs> I love it. Can I tell you, I am uh, absolutely obsessed with hip hop and Killer Mike is my favorite rapper. Of- no way, really? Yes. yes. Yeah. He, um, so again, I've been to, I saw Run the Jewels live for the first time last year. Same. Jaw on the ground. like Just oh. insane. We're going to do a follow-up uh, episode that none of our marketers are going to want to listen to where we just talk about Run the Jewels, but it's going to be my favorite episode. Yeah. Um, oh, count me in. <laughs> yes. If you haven't seen the music video for Ooh La La, you need yeah. to check it out immediately yeah. after we're done with this. That's great. <laughs> Russ, way to bring it home. Thank all you right. so much for being on the podcast. Um, and all the best. Uh, I hope you and yours are uh, staying well, staying safe, staying sane. Uh, and just thank you again for being a guest. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you. And if any of the listeners want to reach out, just go to my site, reach out. My team can get in touch with me. I answer every email and that would be awesome to just chat about anything we're doing, especially if there's a challenge around remote work or anything 
we've been doing it for now six years going on, so we can definitely support. And that's uh, russperry.co, right? R-U-S-S-P-E-R-R-Y.co? Yep. Yep. You can just get reach out on there and I'll, I'll get right back to you. Rock and roller. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Russ. This is the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast, and you heard it here first. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a future topic or guest? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Join us next time as we partner with the ANA Awards Program in the first of a series of episodes taking you behind the scenes of the most innovative, award-winning campaigns from around the world. We'll be joined by AB InBev and David the Agency to discuss the Share for Good campaign for Australia Jalisco Beer. And as a reminder, you want trends and innovation? We got trends and innovation. Just head on over to marketingfutures.ana.net. Dot net.